Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Money Making Conversation Masterclass. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. I recognize that we all have different definitions of success. For you, it may be the size of your paycheck. Mine is inspiring people to accomplish their goals and live their very best life. It is time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. People always talk about their purpose or gifts. If you have a gift, lead with your gifts and don't let your friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. My guest is a civil rights activist that has always prevailed against the odds, rising from GED to PhD. He's a community organizer, Dr. Jamal Harrison Bryant. He combines sound biblical teaching, business acumen, and political insight to propel the body of Christ to action in greater levels of faith. He's the senior pastor of New Birth Missionary Baptist Church, a graduate of Morehouse College and of Duke University. His leadership efforts have always began to strengthen the multi-generational bond among members, expand community outreach, cultivate families, and expand the church's cultural significance. Please welcome the Money Making Conversations Masterclass for the very first time and hopefully not the last, Dr. Jamal Harrison Bryant. How are you doing, sir? Doing wonderfully well, brother. Good to hear your voice and to see your face. Well, great. The same thing there. You know, well, I see your face more than you see mine. That's for sure on TV. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'd say, uh, you know, it was, it was a time when they, when they, when they, when your church reopened and members were allowed back into the church. I, I saw you on every channel, and that was an, and that was a blessing because of the fact that you know the journey that started in twenty twenty. Talk about the twenty twenty and some of the trials, and we have to say that you went through to overcome and. Question your faith. People, you have to deal with the health. The black community was affected the worst of people of brown skin tone. So talk about that 2020 to now in the reopening of the church. Uh, it was, uh, COVID was uh, the best thing I think that ever happened to the church. Yes, sir. Uh, because it made us move outside of the four walls. Uh, if you study the life of Jesus, 92% of what he did was outside of the church. But the contemporary model, 98% of what churches do is inside. 
Right. Uh, and so we had to re-examine uh, what does church mean? Is it four walls? Is it a steeple? Is it stained glass windows? Is it a Hammond organ? Or is it service to the community? And so as a consequence, the church never closed. The building did. Right. And so since 2020 to today, uh, Rashawn, you ought to know that uh, we fed over 800,000 people uh, confronting food insecurity. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the midst of uh, the pandemic, uh, we were able to give disaster relief uh, to people in Mississippi, Louisiana, and to Texas. Right. Uh, In the midst of... uh, the pandemic since 2020, uh, over 3,000 people joined our church online, never getting the right hand of fellowship. Wow. What is interesting to note is that culture changes every four years, but black church culture changes every 20. Mm-hmm. So the average church is 15 years behind schedule. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of churches didn't make it. Why? Because uh, they were not technologically savvy. Mm-hmm. They didn't know how to do online giving, uh, and they didn't know how to have a hybrid approach of being high-tech and high-touch. Right. We mastered all of those through the grace of God and was able to excel. Well, that's, that's really good that you're saying that because as an African-American community, we always say, you know, we got, to, we got the cell phone, but do we understand the technology? You know, I, right. as a person who's been in radio and TV and, uh, you know, all the big giants, whether it's uh, or Apple, Google, they never look at the African-American community for technical forward thought, for, for academic excellence or for employment. What role is the church playing in that as far as under your leadership? I'm not trying to expect you to speak for every church, but under right. your leadership, what role are you playing to advance a narrative of African-Americans with technology? Oh, we started last summer doing something a little bit cutting edge. We canceled Vacation Bible School and started doing coding class uh, so that our young people will uh, be able to have uh, some competitive foot uh, in a global market and trade. As you very well know, most of our inner city public schools don't offer such. And I think that uh, part of the responsibility of the church is to not just advance consumerism, uh, but to make sure that we are producers as well. Which is really, really important. Now, you know, when they sent this question over to me, and I want to ask, I said, when you arrived at New Birth, you walked into a massive death. It was something I didn't know anything about. You know, because when you look at the church, you know, you know, people you have you have you have, you have people who join the church, they donate, and then then you, but you walk into a, in a debt situation. How did you manage to reduce the debt so quickly? Because was it through corporate donations? Was it through the the members of the church? And what plan did you put in place so it won't happen again? Uh, Well, you have to understand, I came uh, a little after two and a half years after Bishop Long died. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so they went through uh, a dip in membership, Mm -hmm. uh, in attendance, in participation, and in leadership. Yes, sir. Uh, And so as a consequence, uh, one, let me say we got no corporate donations, Right, uh, is that I modeled stewardship uh, and increased uh, the volume of trust that they ought to have uh, in the church and made sure that church was not just a Sunday morning experience, uh, but a Monday through Saturday, Saturday interaction. Right. Uh, and so as a consequence, uh, begin to do aggressive uh, saving, uh, investing, uh, and uh, aggressive in uh, a debt reduction, uh, almost doubling up what our mortgage payment was uh, in order to get that done and then refinance. 
uh, to take it out of the hands of an evangelical bank uh, and do business with a black bank right here in Atlanta, Citizens Trust. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. One thing we learned over the last 2020, I'm going to tell you, I've been an entrepreneur and publicly, I don't know if I was always comfortable with letting people know I was a black owner. Right. Since George Floyd, you know, Google has even made a request if, if you are a black owner so they can put that in their directory. So with that transition and then the opening of new black Wall Street, it's really as, you know, you're, you're at the forefront of it. You know, you're, you're, you're talking to people with their struggles, their uplift. How do you look at the new black Wall Street and how does the church play that role? And beyond the church, the success stories that you're trying to put out there. I think the deficit of the black church in large measure is when the black church, and I'm speaking in generality, yes, sir. Speak, speaks about economics. We only do it in terms of asking people for their tithe. Right. We're asking for 10%, but never show people how to multiply the 90. And I think part and parcel of my responsibility as pastor uh, is to talk about how do we uh, manage our revenue. Uh, Dr. King said before his demise that uh, African-Americans spend the power, made us uh, the 14th wealthiest nation in the world. At this point, we're the 11th wealthiest nation in the world, but we're not doing anything about it. In the Asian community here in America, uh, their dollar circulates 23 times before it leaves their hands. In the Jewish community, 17 times before it leaves their hands. In the Caucasian community, 12 times before it leaves their hands. In the black community, our check is cashed just 30 minutes before we hand it over to somebody else. And so when we talk about economic development, it's got to be not just a campaign, but a mind frame. And so to celebrate Juneteenth, uh, I am challenging the community to open up 1,000 accounts at Citizens Trust Bank. Eighty-six uh, percent of people in our community don't own a diamond stock. And so on Sunday, I'm challenging our community and bringing in black brokerage firms uh, for African-Americans to leave an inheritance. Uh, and to know how to do investment. If we just have checking accounts, the banks don't look at us. Right. Uh, to your original question about uh, Black Wall Street, it was the brainchild of Mr. Bill Allen. And he told me about it. And I told him there's no way it'll succeed if the black church is not interloped in the idea. Right. And so I came and walked alongside him, uh, made an agreement with him that of the 100 businesses that are in Black Wall Street, 10% of them have got to be uh, business owners that come out of new birth uh, to make sure that we are really uh, championing the call. Uh, my conviction, Brother McDonald's, if I have 10,000 members, why are you struggling to sell your book? Mm -hmm. How come you don't have any clients? Because they're right there in the church. Right. We've got to develop our own ecosystem in order to thrust us to that model. Well, you know, but that's one of the main reasons why. I I'm very fortunate on WCLK to do Money Making Conversation Masterclass. It's by promoting dreamers, especially in the entrepreneurship and small business of the lane. Now, when I look at you, you're a Morehouse grad. HBCUs have been at the forefront of academic excellence forever. But only recently, because of massive donations by individuals in the corporate world, led. Uh, how is that? Does that make you feel good, 
Dr. Bryant, or it makes you disappoint you that there's nothing that's ever been wrong with HBCUs. We just hadn't been recognized or given our due. I think um, that we in the HBC orbit have understood our value without mainline acceptance. Right. Uh, HBCUs graduate more black doctors, uh, more lawyers, more doctor degrees uh, than uh, predominantly white institutions. Mm -hmm. With minimal support and financial backing is all inspiring. Now that we have it, uh, the the sky is the limit and people now walk on the moon. Uh, and so I think that this is really just putting us in a greater place. Well, I, I help you all out with those stats that he, uh, it's top of my mind. 50% of the black yeah. school teachers come from HBCUs. 80% of the right. medical doctors and dentists come from HBCUs. 70% of the judges and lawyers come from HBCUs. 40% of the black members of Congress come from HBCUs. 20 to 25% of the STEM graduates come from HBCUs. North Carolina A&T graduates more black engineers than any engineering program in the country. Also, wow. there are more generals in the Army outside of West Point who are black from from South Carolina State. Those are the stats that I, that need to be out there that I, that I, that is burned I in my memory. To me. I need all of that. Send me all of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, well, see, that's what, that's what, that's why we do this show, Dr. Brian, because right. it's well, about information. Me, sir. It, it, it's about information. Our people are dying from a lack of knowledge. Thank you. And that, and that, and that, you know, and the, and the knowledge is, you know, is 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 preaching. Now I can do this show. I can do a pre-recorded show and and just go on by my business. But I've turned this show into a show where people can call in and to get somebody. And you're a local giant. To have you come on my show is part of the, the building of the brand. You know, to have the new Black Wall Street. Those entrepreneurs need to know they have a vocal home right here yeah. where they can come and t share their dreams and expand their brands. So, generationally, what do you feel the black community needs to understand about money? You talked about the stock market. Because now mm. I would tell anybody who's listening, when the stock market is down, that's when you want to buy. You want to buy when it's a bear. You don't want to buy when it's a bull. And so, if you, what you're talking about, bringing in that type of money, but that's a different type of money. But you had an incredible stat about how money doesn't stay in the black community's hands. So what do we really need to understand? Because if you're going to talk about money, you got to talk about credit and credit and money tends to be a separate conversation in the black household. I uh, often uh, use this example uh, that I know by McDonald, you can uh, run across the 50 yard line with <laughs> that is black people are the only people in the world who have a housewarming party for an apartment. Right. Uh, we don't really uh, talk about home ownership. Right. Uh, my father put uh, my sister and I on a plan when we got out of college, which was the 10-10-80, which I still model to this day, which is save 10 percent, tithe 10 percent, live off of 80 percent. Mm -hmm. uh, and it really helped us when you realize that the average African-American lives at 110 percent of their income, uh, that we're in debt uh, trying to keep up with the Joneses. The credit card debt is through the roof. Um, we can have a whole different show uh, about the, the swamp known as student loans. Uh, and so there's a whole lot of financial literacy that is so needed and necessary for us to be able to thrive and get our footing. Uh, it sounds good at this level, 
but they are those who are in the trenches who really don't have a basic understanding right. of what you're talking about, a bull and a bear. They, they got no idea. Right. Uh, that we are not in the conversation about inflation and about how that's going to impact every area of our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's uh, part and parcel responsibility of the church uh, to impart that knowledge and to share that wisdom. You know, it's really interesting when I hear you talk, when I hear the uh, financial literacy, that's such a big word. It's, it means so much. And sometimes you can, you can let people, they, they walk in the room, they walk out, really didn't yes. gain anything from the conversation. How can I help? You know, what the mission that you're putting in place in this city. This is, you know, I have a certain skill set. I have a I have a show to be able to move forward a narrative, but it's about job. It's about economic development. It's about money and getting the right jobs in place. How can a person like Rushon McDonald and my show can help the cause and move the needle? Cry loud and spare not. Uh, you you doing the doggone thing. Uh, yeah. we, we're so much of our focus is on entertainment and not on enlightenment. Right. Uh, and so what you're doing just in this conversation is a revolutionary act in unto itself. Right. Uh, we like to sing, we like to dance, we like to dribble the ball, we don't like to sit down. The average African-American post-high school does not read a nonfiction book from cover to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you are uh, doing through this podcast, this is an audio book, <laughs> you are given mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. Uh, that they are not uh, getting uh, out of closed libraries or on Google. Uh, and so I'm just appreciative of how you stand on the back card. Well, you know, I, I appreciate it. And thank you because, like I said, again. We'll be right back with more Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rushan McDonald. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. 
Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. Now let's return to Money Making Conversations Masterclass with Rashawn McDonald. You, you said some great things. Uh, still, I'm telling anybody. My number's available. My email address is available. This show is available. They got the people, are young entrepreneurs down there at New Black Wall Street. Let them know they can contact WCLK. Reach out to me because of the fact if if you if your business don't have a, a avenue for people to know about it, then it leads to frustration. It leads to you. It leads you becoming a victim of saying your dream is an impossible task. And my whole thing, my whole life, like I said, I'm, I'm one of those guys too, from the, from nothing to something. You know, you know, a, a two bedroom shotgun house, six sisters, two brothers. My father had a third grade education, truck driver. My mama graduated from high school. And so I know what you have to do and you have to follow dreams. But also you have to have mentors and people who believe in you. That role, I think that's what you plan as a church leader. Correct. Yeah, I'm, I'm endeavoring to do that. Uh, I think that uh, we've got to, one, dissolve the old school notion that the pastor knows everything right? Uh, is that we've got to have circular leadership and not singular leadership. So you mm-hmm. need people who can educate us, not just on finances, who can educate us on the law, mm-hmm. uh, who can help us uh, in civics class, who can help us in this whole right to vote quest. Uh, where is the black community's voice on Roe versus Wade? Mm-hmm. Uh, where are we in terms of gentrification? Uh, where are we with the uh, underfunding of public education? Uh, all of those things, we've got to bring all the different seats to the table. And when you bring that to the table, that's all about the horizons and the new direct, uh, direction of new birth that you brought. Now, what is the future of new birth and what is, what's the ultimate goals? If you had asked me that two years ago, <laughs> I would have rattled it off with a Uzi and a silence. But uh, I think that uh, the church, quite frankly, is in puberty. Uh, our voice is changing. Our skin has uh, acne. Uh, in the words of uh, the old people, we starting to smell like outside. Uh-huh. Uh, you, you're going to have to ask me that probably in another nine months when the dust settles and we're able to see what does church look like. I'm doing something uh, my grandparents would have died over uh, July and August. I'm only doing in-person church on first and third Sunday and completely virtual second and fourth. Right. Uh, because our numbers really shot up in the pandemic. So I got to see, is it really worth it to turn the lights on? Uh, is the yeah. impact mm-hmm. any different? Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying out a model that I've not seen in a black or white church. Uh, so pray for a brother. Uh, so in nine months, ask me again and I'll tell you. Well, I'm going to tell you something, Dr. Brown. There's a lot of people <clears> praying for you. A lot of people praying for you, uh, but I will get in line to help pray for you. Uh, but, you know, the thing about it is that it's about charisma. It's about uh, having a direction and being focused because the church is always the basis. You know, we know black people got faith. Black people believe. Black people also can be misled. When I say that, not in a negative way, because it's about information. If you don't have the right information, you're misled. And that's what right. we talk about economics. We talk about literacy. You know, you know, it's a joke in the black community about putting their child's uh, name on the light bill. And that's not a joke. That's real. And then yeah. that child's life is is ruined. And so, right. but, but talk about your journey 
in, in, not in much detail or small detail about, you know, where you've come from to this point. And also the fact that, you know, your, your, your history in the church is not something that you start. It's part of a family journey, if you can. Uh, I am originally from Boston, Massachusetts. I was raised in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. Um, I failed the 11th grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, after I failed the 11th grade, uh, Brother McDonald, my parents sent me to live in Monrovia, Liberia, West Africa for a year. Uh, for your listeners who do not know, Liberia is uh, the only country in Africa that was uh, formed by former slaves. Uh, and so I lived there for a year. I came back, uh, got a GED, uh, and I'm the first person to go to Morehouse with a GED. Uh, I graduated from Morehouse political science and international studies and uh, in tradition of HBCUs uh, a month before graduation I was alerted that I didn't uh, have enough classes as an international studies major Uh, I needed to be proficient in a language I wasn't proficient in a language my only option uh, was to do study abroad Mm -hmm. I went through the list so to do study abroad, the only country I could go to with no language requirement was South Africa. Mm. I go to South Africa by the luck of the draw and God's grace. Uh, it is the year of the elections. And I become uh, Nelson Mandela's youth intern uh, <laughs> while uh, living there in South Africa. I come back. Uh, I go to Duke University and uh, Duke University uh, significant for me. I uh, went there for a master's degree. But many years before I went to Duke, my grandfather was a chef at Duke University when they didn't let black students there. Uh, While a a student at Duke University, Kwaisi Mfume, uh, tapped me to be National Youth and College Director of the NAACP. Uh, And I boast the record of being the youngest youth director the NAACP ever had uh, at that time. I came out of the NAACP. Uh, Rashana, you're not going to believe my story. Uh, 1999, we had our national convention in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Kwasi uh, Mfume has laryngitis mm-hmm. and asked me to give the national address to the NAACP. <laughs> I'm 28 years old. Uh, the next day, I'm on the cover of USA Today. I get off of the stage from giving that address, and I'm met at the bottom of the stage by the one and only Dick Gregory. Gregory grabs me by my collar, throws me up against the wall, and says to me, young man, you're out of order. And that ain't the word he used. He used another word. <laughs> I Those know y'all Gregory. know I, Dick Gregory. Uh-huh. <laughs> know what he said. Yeah, N-word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are out of order. He said, uh, when I was growing up, black people, when they were in trouble, would call on Jesus and the NAACP. He said, you are part of a generation that doesn't believe in either. You're supposed to be a pastor. Brother McDonald, long story short, I walked out of there. And six months later, I started my church in Baltimore. 43 members to 10,000. And uh, three years ago, uh, God redirected my path to leave the church that I started to come here to Atlanta. Uh, the pastor of the great New Birth Missionary Baptist Church. That's my story in a nutshell. We know the the beauty of that story, and I want black people to hear it. I want people to hear this in general, is that 
You can't, you can't achieve success by yourself. That's the number one thing you get away from this store. And then people have to see something in you and not give up on you. That's also in this store. And when, when, and so that's, that started with the parents. Parents didn't give up on him. He failed, but they didn't see failure. And then he accepted the challenge and rose beyond that. And, and everywhere he went, somebody stepped in and moved him forward. Now, when those happens, when those moments happen, and you can correct me, Dr. Prime, and I think I'm on the same page with you, they pushed him to a, the unknown. And that's where a lot of people stop. When they don't know what's happening, fear drops in and they stop moving forward. And that is what's holding back our community because we want to know what's happening. And you don't always know what's happening when you're trying to achieve success. Success is tied to overcoming the unknown and overcoming fear. Am I correct, sir? Oh, no, you're more than correct. And uh, everybody has a testimony. Uh, Les Brown often says uh, your revenue is in your reflection. Mm -hmm. What it is that you're able (laughs) Excuse me, what you're able to share, what you're able to disclose. I'm so sorry. And what it is that uh, you have learned from. Uh, and so I'm grateful. So I, uh, as a consequence of my own journey, like many churches, uh, we give out scholarships. Uh, but I am intentional to not just give scholarships to those who graduate top of the class, uh, <laughs> but those also who graduated bottom of the barrel. Right. Uh, that they also need an opportunity and need a chance. And that's beauty and the prowess of HBCUs again, uh, who gave students who were not outstanding uh, an opportunity to thrive and shine. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm grateful. Well, here's the interesting thing we're about to wrap up here is that I'm from Houston, Texas, so I've been celebrating Juneteenth, you know, in the state of Texas. It's been the state of Texas holiday forever. Now it's a national yes. holiday. And now it also lands on Father's Day. Okay, and black fathers have always been pushed aside or said we are, we don't understand the value or we're not responsible for. It. You're a black man. I'm a black man. I know I can get I get hard when I I, I get upset when I hear that. Uh, and and knowing that Father's Day is coming up, what role or responsibility are you taking upon yourself to make sure that black men? of being recognized for being strong fathers, strong parents, strong leaders in the community moving forward. Yeah. Is that your health is your wealth. Uh, And so on Father's Day, we are doing free prostate cancer screenings Mm -hmm. uh, for all of our brothers uh, Mm -hmm. because so many uh, black men have been impacted by it. Uh, And the saying is uh, early prevention leads to the cure. And most black men don't go to the hospital till they come through the emergency room. Absolutely. Uh, it is also Juneteenth that we're setting up these uh, economic portfolios for investment uh, for our people to be able to have some greater sense uh, of what the strength of their dollar is. And so uh, in those ways, we're going to affirm as well as trying to help fathers who want visitation, who have been robbed of it, uh, to be able to get that through our partnering with the courts. You know, as we, as we, as uh, the pandemic has, as you said earlier, has been a health and economic crisis, and that's always been a blessing for the church. You know, as, as one would say, I'm talking to one of the most influential uh, uh, religious leaders in the country, and you, Dr. Bryant. As we, as you call someone to the altar, as someone's listening to this show, what is the final message you want them to receive so they can walk away with a clear understanding that they can be successful? They, they are walking in blessed shoes. They just need to acknowledge it and accept the responsibility of hard work? 
that the church, uh, to not over-spiritualize it, is nothing more than a recycling center. We take that which has been discarded, that which has been thrown away, that which has imperfections, and help turn it into something else. The essence of who they are remains the same. But the shape and the spirit of it is what it is that we change. So every Sunday I tell people, you can come as you are. Just be clear, you won't stay as you are. My guests rose from uh, 11th grade dropout to receive a GED, enrolled in Morehouse, first time, PhD, graduate of Duke, and now he is the senior pastor of New Birth Missionary Baptist Church. He's a leader and also an inspiration, and I'm so fortunate to have him on the show to share these words. Know this, whenever you have something, please come to Money Making Conversation Masterclass. I'm a friend, advocate, and a believer in what you're trying to do to the community. Thank you for coming on Money Making Conversation. I'm appreciative. Thank you so much. And don't forget, I'm coming back to tell you about the future of the church once I figure out what it is. Well, I guess what? You know something? It'd be quick then because you got technology right. on your side. Okay? I appreciate Absolutely. you, Dr. Brian. Thank you for coming on that show. If you want to Thank see you, or hear this interview, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host. Thank you.